welcome to this edition of the Factor Review, a weekly roundup of the biggest stories shaping Mongolia. Here with us tonight is Ms. Dutgong, a researcher and consultant at the Independent Research Institute of Mongolia. And we're live on Facebook at V Television, and we want to hear your thoughts, so send us your comments on Twitter with hashtag Jarat underscore de facto. Coming up on the program. Parliament meeting of dismissing potential government. How are political parties formed? The Independent Authority Against Corruption released a statement. So we're just going to jump into our first topic. So on November 7th 20, uh, of this year, 27 members of parliament submitted a proposal to the Speaker of Parliament, uh, Mr. Inkbot, um, proposing to dismiss the government. So this issue was decided upon this past Friday at the parliament session, and Prime Minister Hulusuk's government is not overturned uh, with a vote of 33 to 40. So, of the 75 parliament members, 73 were present. So, what are some of the takeaways from this Friday's parliamentary session? Mm -hmm. So, first of all, thank you for having me here today. Uh, indeed, the 30th of November, Friday, uh, as some on social media has been claiming, was uh, uh, seen and labeled as Black Friday for Mongolia, for its literal mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, because whether the uh, cabinet remained or whether it was dissolved, still the discussion and the parliamentary session highlighted one of the most uh, difficult situation in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I think the social media and public has been labeling it as Black Friday. Mm -hmm. So the main uh, takeaway from the session is that, of course, uh, just for uh, the sake of uh, uh, being ironic, the attendance was very high yeah. and there were a lot of complaints from people that when it's uh, an issue about, for example, air pollution or important social topics, the attendance is never that high. Mm -hmm. So first of all, this uh, kind of uh, shows uh, MPs interest in the topic. Mm -hmm. uh, and secondly, um, generally hearing all the MPs discussion and uh, comments, they all seem to agree that there needs to be some kind of political reform within how the uh, transparency and accountability is implemented in Mongolia, mm -hmm. uh, especially within the political parties. Mm -hmm. So uh, a few years ago, if this was an issue about just, um, have to say, a um, few people's raising these issues, but now it seems like there's a widespread uh, consensus on the topic. Mm -hmm. However, it should be noted that uh, there were still not concrete action plans presented to the cabinet on how it should proceed with fighting corruption and restoring justice. Mm -hmm. And so with this um, Friday's decision, Hodosuk's government is not overturned. So what kind of an impact will this have on the economy, do you think, in the long short term and the long term? Mm -hmm. So first of all, when uh, the, f uh, the potential dissolution of the cabinet was being discussed and raised, there were a few questions from uh, researchers and public around this topic were raised. Mm -hmm. So first, for example, um, is the proposal to dissolve the cabinet 
uh, really a response to lack of performance mm -hmm. and uh, as a measure of accountability or was this predominantly a political action? So mm -hmm. that was the first question. And secondly, even if uh, the cabinet uh, is dissolved or not dissolved, how, what are the next steps and plans for the parliament to continue reforming legislation or overall legal framework for uh, reducing all, all the seven issues that uh, were included in the initial proposal? Mm -hmm. And third, even if the cabinet is dissolved, who will replace them? Is there an alternative and a capable uh, a pack of people who can run uh, the government? So these were all remained questionable. Mm -hmm. uh, although the parliament, uh, some uh, candidates, some MPs who were for the dissolution of the cabinet, they did not provide concrete uh, answers to these questions which might have uh, raised suspicions about their motive regarding mm -hmm. the dissolution of the cabinet. But uh, generally, uh, as we all know, the, all of the public, including international organizations and communities, well, have been watching Mongolia's political situation and it's been very unstable in the last uh, few <laughs> decades. Um, so this time, there is, on the one hand, some kind of relief at least mm -hmm. the current policies will continue and it will not be slowing down. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, uh, how this, again, like I said earlier, how this issue about responsibility and accountability will be implemented are still unclear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so these parliament members or politicians in the parliament are elected by the citizens. Mm -hmm. So, and they're supposed to be our voices for mm -hmm. the actions we want in our country and so on. So what are the, how should citizens choose their representatives or choose these members of parliament? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, luckily we live in a democratic society. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are many forms of uh, accountability within the democratic systems, uh, one of which is uh, political accountability, which is often sh um, uh, shown during elect elections. Mm -hmm. So uh, when people vote next time, I'm sure they will uh, show their discontent or they will make their own choices. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, their um, recent studies and some uh, public opinions show that people see uh, non-government organizations, civil society and citizens as main drivers of anti-corruption fight. Mm -hmm. So people believe in those uh, institutions, civil society, rather than the political institutions themselves. Mm -hmm. So it shows that people are still aware of these issues, they're still engaging in politics and they're still interested in democratic uh, system. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it we should be very careful when we say maybe uh, the elected representatives of the people are not doing their duties properly, therefore democracy is bad. Mm -hmm. If uh, it's, it's the opposite, it's, we see now that our elected representatives are not doing their job properly. That's why we need to be very careful in the next uh, uh, elections to select potential mm -hmm. uh, candidates. But on the other hand, it's the duty of the political parties to propose uh, good programs and be very transparent in selecting their candidates. Mm -hmm.
And so our second topic is slightly connected to our first one. Uh, so as you mentioned slightly before, Mongolia is a semi-presidential representative democratic republic mm -hmm. with a multi-party system. And so within Mongolia, there are two major political parties currently. Mm -hmm. And so what could you explain a bit more about these two political parties and what are their roles in government, how they influence the whole entire government? Mm -hmm. The two main parties of uh, Democratic Party and uh, Mongolian People's Party, mm -hmm. of course, as uh, everybody knows, uh, any political uh, parties and their competition constitute one important element of a democratic uh, country, society. Mm -hmm. uh, in that sense, it's important to have competent political parties. But when we ask whether these two parties have been successful, uh, whether they have been uh, delivering what they said and doing their functions. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult, it's not uh, difficult, but uh, it's quite obvious mm -hmm. from a citizen's point of view and also from studies. I just want to mention a few studies on um, people's opinion on the competency of uh, political parties. Mm -hmm. <coughs> For example, the Asia Foundation survey about uh, corruption in Mongolia mm -hmm. found that political parties ranked second out of 16 institutions as being the most corrupt mm -hmm. as seen by a uh, public, uh, followed by uh, mining, national government and parliament. Mm -hmm. uh, the, first, uh, the first place was uh, land utilization agency. Mm -hmm. So this shows how people see political parties as being a failure. And secondly, uh, our recent survey, Irene's recent survey on social well-being, uh, also showed that people were most dissatisfied with political and economic situation in Mongolia. Roughly around 70 people, percent of the people said that they are very completely dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. So these alone show the extent of the um, discontent people feel with political parties. And some may ask uh, why people's feelings are important. They might not know the truth or they might be delusioned. But uh, we should um, take into, into consideration that one of the main uh, reasons political parties exist is to represent its uh, electorate mm -hmm. and deliver on what they promised. They should be responsible and responsive at the same time. So when we take these four criteria for uh, quality political parties, we don't see any of the signs in these two political parties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what are the, or are there any rules and ethics that the, these Mongolian political parties must abide by and how well are they abiding by these rules? Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, in <coughs> many aspects, Mongolia is seen as um, having quite good um, papers, yeah. the legislation and papers. Um, <coughs> sorry, uh, but it's uh, interesting to see that the law on political parties has not been changed for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, whereas other types of laws have been changing regularly, so we might ask, we should ask, why? Uh, is it the fact that although political parties are being so incompetent and so far behind in terms of meeting people's expectations, why there is no reform or legal uh, 
uh, new legislation being passed. Mm -hmm. So that's one question we should ask. And uh, secondly, within political parties themselves, of course they have a, a set of rules and principles, vision, mission and all those things. Mm -hmm. But uh, it should be dependent on the internal uh, governance of political parties. Mm -hmm. If political parties have good governance, they should have independent and very competent committee or some kind of body overseeing the implementation of those uh, law, uh, principles mm -hmm. within the party. But we don't see none of the parties uh, displaying strong such uh, bodies and they don't make statements or they, they, they don't uh, share with the public their plans, have to improve the ethical and other um, standards, benchmarks within the political parties. Mm -hmm. So in general, there is a lack of good governance, not only the ethics, but all the other aspects as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of researchers have cited that Mongolian party, um, these political parties are hindrances mm -hmm. to Mongolians' development plans and so forth. So what should be done to kind of address this issue? Mm -hmm. This is a very big uh, <laughs> yeah. question. Um, first, of course, we should be um, aware that establishing a very well-functioning democratic country is a gradual process. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that we should stop uh, trying and we should stop paying attention on all these scandals and uh, misbehavior of politicians. So first of all we need really a strong and consistent uh, voter education mm -hmm. and civic education in Mongolia at all levels just uh, not only for students but also for adults. Mm -hmm. So the case of the US for example recently have demonstrated in states who have a civic, strong civic education curriculum and states who don't have a strong uh, curricula had different levels of uh, edu political education and engagement. Mm -hmm. So my first point would be to still focus on this kind of strong education of the public. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we need a renewal of the legislation around political parties. Uh, for example, uh, before coming here, I was just looking at the Open Society Foundation's um, assessment of po political financing. Mm -hmm. And they have, for example, proposed a lot of good measures the Mongolian parliament could take to improve uh, political party environment, mm -hmm. such as um, making sure that the sanctions around corruption are more uh, effective mm -hmm. and more dissuasive, and also the legal system, um, the 2005 law on political parties should be renewed, and the oversight of political financing, for example by National Audit Office, should be uh, stronger and clearer. Um, etc. So there are many things that we can take. And third, uh, should come from within the political parties themselves, mm -hmm. if they have good governance, uh, their members should take active role in providing oversight, uh, providing um, internal discussion about 
those renewals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it seems to be that because these political parties are hindered to Mongolia's development, uh, let's say for hypothetical case that these two government, uh, two political parties were overthrown and instead a new political party was uh, set in place, would corruption, corruption decrease in that case? And what are the some kind of steps to kind of, is it possible to even take down these two major political parties? Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, it's possible because mm -hmm. uh, we, like I said, we still live in a democratic society. In Mongolia, we have many, many political parties. Mm -hmm. uh, so we still have, uh, theoretically and uh, technically, uh, some room for uh, alternative political parties. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's difficult for those third parties to come and to compete with these large two uh, parties because of the issues of um, membership and the existing electoral law which uh, acts as a lot of hindrance to new members and new uh, political parties. The financing is very difficult. So for these reasons uh, it would be a tough challenge for new parties to become majority. But uh, in 2016 we saw a very interesting movement in Mongolia during the election which was a blank uh, ballot, the Tahansangalt. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it was a new form of uh, political act, people showing that the political party should propose new and more transparent and competent candidates, mm -hmm. way of selecting their candidates. And uh, they basically need to innovate themselves and respond to their public. So I think uh, what happened in 2016 and the recent events show uh, uh, active engagement from people's side. Mm -hmm. And as long as we have active engagement, critical thinking mass and uh, balanced media, mm -hmm. independent researchers and all these uh, basic institutions of democratic society, mm -hmm. uh, there, sh there should be more increased uh, competition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, as because we're some little bit pressed for time, let's mm -hmm. move on to our third topic. Mm -hmm. um, so, in response to Parliament Member El Ayurton's comment that law enforcement agencies were working to protect Mr. Inkbot yesterday by arresting family members of Parliament members, mm -hmm. the Independent Authority Against Corruption released a statement. So. Just rewind back and could you exp um, like tell us how the IAC was formed and mm -hmm. under what directive, why was it required mm -hmm. to be formed? Mm -hmm. uh, before giving the history about the anti-corruption agency in Mongolia, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to say that worldwide there are around 100 anti-corruption agencies. Mm -hmm. Of course with different names, with different powers and different capacities. Mm -hmm. But uh, this has been uh, one of the most renew, um, uh, new wave of uh, countries showing their interest in fighting corruption. Mm -hmm. uh, the basic uh, reason behind why anti-corruption agencies exist is that they, first of all, show political will mm -hmm. that uh, there is an interest to fight corruption. And secondly, they should be the official and national uh, enforcer of to implement and promote anti-corruption activities. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, um, there should be more support and also 
for anti-corruption agency, but also to make sure it becomes more effective. Mm -hmm. So uh, we should be very careful in assessing an entire organization's uh, legality or capacity just based on a few um, cases or speculations. Mm -hmm. So moving back to the case of Mongolia, uh, in 2006 the parliament has passed a law on, um, against corruption mm -hmm. and in that law they specified the structure and the mandate of uh, anti-corruption agency. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, the head of the agency is uh, delegated by, appointed by parliament for mm -hmm. six years term and there are very clear requirements for uh, eligibility criteria for the um, head. Mm -hmm. um, and also the corruption in agency has not only the function of uh, inspecting and uh, investigating corruption related issues, but also it has the function of public awareness raising and public education and research. Mm -hmm. So we should also look at both sides of the agency. Mm -hmm. And so since the establishment of this anti-corruption agency, has corruption levels decreased or has it stayed the same or has it increased? And if mm -hmm. so, why? Mm -hmm. To be able to answer this question, we need to be able to measure corruption exactly as it is. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't have such clear measurements and uh, uh, studies. Even worldwide, it's a topic of debate whether we can actually measure the level of corruption or not. There mm -hmm. are proxies. A most widely used one is corruption perception surveys and index. Mm -hmm. Used uh, most famous one is uh, used by um, uh, corruption perception index by Transparency International, for mm -hmm. example. Uh, but because those are perception based, sometimes. Uh, the level of uh, index can increase when people become more aware or more exposed to corruption issues mm -hmm. and topics. So we should be careful in interpreting the increase and decrease in perception indexes. Mm -hmm. uh, just looking at crude numbers, in uh, 2007, according to this index, Mongolia ranked uh, at 99th out of um, 100 I forgot the exact uh, number. Mm -hmm. um, in 2012, it ranked 94th, mm -hmm. uh, scoring 36. And in 27, it ranked 99th, also the same score, uh, which means that the countries uh, have made slight improvements in their situation. And so do you think this anti-corruption agency is doing its job properly? Uh, if not, who or what, what, what is getting in their way of doing the job properly? Mm -hmm. So um, I think the anti-corruption uh, authority has been doing its best within its uh, limited capacity, of mm -hmm. course. And uh, a lot of the international human rights and governance uh, related organizations recommend specifically for Mongolia and also for other countries that uh, it's in, in, in the, the agency's independence should be improved, mm -hmm. should be made more, um, how to say, stable by law. Independence not only in terms of um, status but also finance uh, protection and prevention from any political interference, uh, 
uh, protected by law and independence in selecting its own staff, etc. So the main recommendation is to ensure that uh, we provide them all this independence mm -hmm. and then uh, prevent from any political interference and demand effective actions from anti-corruption agency. Mm -hmm. And so, should uh, should the uh, anti-corruption agencies be serving the interests of the state or the government or a mixture of the two? Mm -hmm. um, the anti-corruption agency's mandate uh, is to fight corruption within the society. Mm -hmm. So it should. Uh, so the, its main mission should be it remain the same. In in doing so, the agency should. Uh, collaborate with every possible stakeholder, mm -hmm. not only state and uh, um, parliament or any agency within the state, but also civil society, citizens, mm -hmm. um, international organizations, uh, private sector. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say it should expand its uh, engagement. Mm -hmm. In terms of serving the interest, it should still serve the societal interest of fighting corruption. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, joining us this week. Uh, please join us next week at the same time for another weekly roundup of the biggest story shaping Mongolia. Good night. Good night. <laughs>